Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. We are on the penultimate Buffy episode, so this is soon to be an Angel podcast. That's true. Yeah, I'm Allie. I'm Jenny. And it's really weird that we're almost it done. It is, isn't it? I mean, it? we're like, not I, almost done, but... I was, like, watching this Buffy episode, and I, you know, I, like, I kind of knew what was going to happen, but it, like, didn't happen in the part of the episode where I thought, and I was uh-huh. just like... Is this that up? Like I was just like having those moments where like, what? Where do they fit all this in? I literally have two episodes left, so yeah, yeah. It was really weird watching it, and then I was like, ow, we're we're not even gonna have Buffy anymore to get us through the dark patches. It's true, (laughs) but it might brighten up Angel. Yes, I don't think Angel can speed up Angel. Yeah, (laughs) which it was something that we've talked about, right? Is like Angel suffers for this like methodical watching it's like, true maybe if it's we're just a show that's it. better on a binge yeah yeah or at least um, that's one working hypothesis <laughs> yeah, that's we're gonna test that um in a few weeks but okay how are you doing today jenny pretty good i yeah. alex has gone this weekend gone to manhattan <laughs> similar to me for his bachelor party uh and he's on his way home now but what I'm just saying that I've been I just like had that apartment to myself this weekend and I didn't have any plans so I was like that's great I'm gonna be like really productive and I've been like pretty productive not quite you know it's never quite as much as you like hope you'll get done but I didn't have to wake up at six in the morning you know and I still got a lot done so it's like it's been good that's good I had like similar productivity plans but then I think you have to sometimes like reframe what does productivity mean yeah <laughs> which is my fancy way of saying i didn't do the things i meant to do <laughs> but what i did, I did a lot. do i didn't do everything yeah i did finish a book and read half of another and i made a loaf of bread and okay. today i'm going to a yoga class so i'm like that is a different kind of productive yes well some of my production production some of my productivity was um cooking and food prep I didn't actually do any cooking yesterday, but I did do some food prep. And then I, re- I really wanted to like do some of the like pre-chopping and then cook one meal for the week. And then the one, the only one that kind of made sense to like, that would like keep the best. I was like, oh, that's right. You forgot to buy, you, I neglected to buy butternut squash at the grocery store because I was in a farther place. And I was like, oh, I could just go down the street and get that so that I'm not like weighing myself down. And so I didn't make it. And then also I really wanted to make cookie dough last night. And then I <laughs> let the butter sit out to room temperature. I had all this time. So I like planned ahead. I let it get to room temperature. The butter was like perfectly soft. And I was like, yes, I'm going to test out this new hand mixer that I got. It's going to be great. And I was like, you're an idiot. You do not have baking soda or baking powder. Oh, and no. I just told like, I knew I had all the other stuff. Like when I went to the grocery store, I was like, okay, I already have chocolate chips. I already have sugar. I need a little bit of flour. You know, it was like, I had done the whole thing. I just totally forgot about those two. And I was like, well, never mind. This is not going to happen tonight. So. You could always make really thin and crisp uh, ones. <laughs> with, yeah, I was like, I'll just do that tomorrow. And I now have not done it yet, but I did leave my butter out. It's in the kitchen while we record, so. That's good. Yeah, yeah I have some food prep to do, too. But, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to, like, clean out, like, all the random stuff I don't use, like, in the kitchen and mm-hmm. blah, 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 And, like, no, I didn't touch the kitchen other than to, like, make a mess. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But I got up at like eight this morning, which I never do on Sundays when we record. And I watched Buffy and Angel. I watched Angel while actually I was 
yeah, I watched Angel while I was doing laundry. I like brought my laptop to the laundry room downstairs and watched it. Wow, that it that's commitment. dedication. Yeah. More of a commitment to getting the laundry done because I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to have to go downstairs every like 20, 30 minutes and like that'll be really obnoxious. And what's nice is that we have Wi-Fi in our um, laundry room. So anyway. So you can watch it. Mm -hmm. I got up 15 minutes before we recorded because I was telling you, and apologies Mm -hmm. if anyone can hear this, the wind is howling outside. Mm -hmm. And it has been doing that since about 3 a.m. So I did not sleep very well Mm -hmm. last night. I like there's something outside on the building that I wish would just fly off because mm, it's like all it does now is like bang against mm-hmm. the window and like I can't do anything about it. I see. It's so irritating. And I I woke up in the middle of the night and I like could not find my earplugs. And you know it's like the middle of the night so you're yeah, like you... I'm not going to like get up. But right. Yeah, that is annoying. I should have. Anyway, we are talking about Oh my god, more yeah. Di- more dire things than oh. than this. Also, just one more quick note. You've got wind going on. My cat has decided to be playful right now, so you might hear her uh, weird meows when she carries her toys around. Yeah, we're going out on a nice professional high. Yeah. Buffy. (laughs) Well, I tried to put her outside, and then she was meowing at the door, so I let her in. Normally, she just sleeps on the bed while I record, but today she's feeling very energetic. So if you hear weird bouncing and knocking, it's just her. It's her because she's over this whole Buffy thing. She's mad that I'm not paying attention to her. Okay, so like I said at the top, this is the penultimate Mm -hmm. episode of Buffy. So big episode, sort of. Sort of. Um, (laughs) Should be a big episode. I'm glad that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Should be a big episode, but really just the penultimate episode before the big episode. Um, So... Buffy has found her scythe in the in the stone, and Faith has led the potentials into a trap, and we see what happens at both of these. So Caleb comes down into the little cellar, wherever, underneath the vineyard where Buffy found this, and you know he's like, you don't want to touch that. He's like, you can't even get it out of the stone. Of course, Buffy just lifts it up, basically with her pinky finger, like, no mm-hmm. problem, like we said, sword in the stone. And... Caleb seems to be very afraid of it, so he lets her go, you know, tells her, you'll be back, or I'll come back to kill you, or something. Like, threats are made, but Buffy leaves because he says, Faith, or she overhears the source, the first telling, the source, oh my god, the first (laughs) telling Caleb, Faith, go boom. So, Buffy somehow figures out where to go. Faith has, in fact, gone boom, because this bomb has gone off. Probably one or two potentials were killed. Several were injured, including Faith, who seems to be unconscious and or drowned, unclear. And um, Kennedy kind of marshals everybody, gets them up out of this lower level they're in, but they're actually now being pinned in by three of these uber vampires. Um, And they're trying to fend them off, but of course, they're not even full slayers. They're barely a match for a vampire. Um, but Buffy arrives and dispatches them really easily with this new weapon that she has because it's got an, a scythe axe thing on one end and a wooden stake on the other that is big enough and strong enough to kill these uh, uber vamps. Um, so everybody goes back to the house and regroups. <coughs> and now Willow and Giles are trying to figure out what is this thing um, that Buffy has found. They uncover that it might be related to some kind of ancient 
hieroglyph for something that basically means like a scythe, um, M question mark or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so they figure out that Buffy, they need to go look at the vineyard and what was around there. And Buffy needs to go find a tomb on unconsecrated ground. So apparently there's an Egyptian tomb or something in Sunnydale. Mm -hmm. Buffy goes there and there's this old woman who is there and she kind of downloads information for Buffy, you know, tells her we're the guardians that watch the watchers and we were keeping this weapon safe for her, for the Slayer. And unfortunately, before Buffy learns too much more from her, Caleb shows up and kills her because he has since remerged with the first and he's extremely strong. Um, So he and Buffy are having their ultimate showdown. Buffy's not doing badly, but she's not winning. Um, And she's, she gets down and and it looks like Caleb is about to kill her and what should happen, but Angel shows up Uh and basically stops Caleb from killing Buffy. And then Buffy tells him, hey, I don't want your help. Like, this is something I need to do on my own. So Angel settles in to narrate and watch this fight that Buffy's having with Caleb and Buffy wins and kills Caleb. Meanwhile, everyone at the house is kind of recovering from their injuries. Anya and Andrew go to the hospital to steal a bunch of supplies. Everybody's just talking about like, this is going to be bad and we don't really know what we're going to do. And also um, Spike comes back to the house and he and Buffy admit to each other that their night of staring into each other's eyes was very meaningful and Spike says it was the best night of his life. So, and scene. Um, first of all, I thought I was going to do the Buffy recap. Oh my God. Oh my God. You started and I was like, well, I don't want to stop you. I totally got that mixed up. You're right. Oh, rewind. Do you want to do it? No, I don't. You did a lovely job. You're absolutely right. We like, absolutely agree before we started that I was gonna do Angel and I was like in my brain immediately forgot that I'm sorry no that's fine <laughs> so yeah I just kept going you didn't stop me <laughs> well I was gonna jump in and I was like I mean whatever <laughs> um but yeah I mean this episode was not an exception you know in our bag of mixed nuts I feel like we already ate all the good ones <laughs> like I I'm still really excited to watch the finale. I know that I will enjoy it kind of regardless, or I'm pretty sure that I'll at least enjoy it in like the conclusion of it and like that kind of stuff. But I just don't know what would, what would drive the writers to in episode 21, the second to last penultimate episode of your entire seven season show to just keep introducing deeper and deeper mythology like what a weird impulse this has been you know what I mean it was like okay the side is pretty cheesy and weird already which they introduced last episode and obviously they have to like figure out what it means but like you know pagan Egyptian temples built here in Sunnydale the weapon is here in Sunnydale like everything about this is just so far-fetched and then on top of it it's like really just like oh yeah, we're the guardians of the Watcher. Like, we're the ones that watch the Watchers who watch the, the Slayer. It was just like, why? Why are we making this so convoluted? I think more than anything, the reason that I really, it really is irking me is I do think I'm going to like the way that it they use it next episode. But it just really feels like they're going out of their way to make Buffy predestined to be great rather than having earned her greatness with every lesson and every choice that she's made over the last seven seasons. And that just like really bothers me. You know, I think you're right. It is a little bit 
like I said, sword in the stone. It is and literally it's literally really that. annoying. That that's the, and Buffy even mentions yeah. that in this episode. And it is annoying that that's the direct direction that it went. And the only time I think they kind of overcome that a little bit is when Buffy is showing the scythe to Faith and yes. Faith is the, the only other one who can really feel the power that it has. Mm-hmm. And Faith says, oh, it feels like it's mine. And she's like, which means it must be yours. But what she's saying, I think, is like Buffy has earned to earn the right to be the slayer that gets the weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the only time there's any reference to Buffy earning this. Because you're absolutely right. In any other instance, including like wizened, old, like mysterious, like woman, you know, it's just a lot of, you know, last minute magic, like oh, yeah, you are destined to do this. Because Buffy even gets it, and she's like, oh, does this mean that I can win? And right. it just all feels a little bit, like, too too neat. It is. It's too It's too neat. And it's also, it's just sloppy. You know the way, You know how sometimes when you're watching something, and you're like, oh, my God, every single aspect of this has been thought out, and it makes so much sense. And, like, this is the opposite. Because, like, the whole thing this season, up until Caleb came around, was that the first is non-corporeal so to like give her the ultimate weapon is a is a weapon is like what you know what I mean it's just like I just I don't understand what the lessons of this season really are for the most part this is like in terms of an arc to the season very bad maybe as an arc to the show there's been some highlights you know but it's like I just I'm just really disappointed with the overarching story for this season I do think some of the individual moments have been really nice but and you're totally right that, like, the the surprise breakout of season seven of Buffy to me is Faith. Like, I think it's Elijah Dushku's best work. Like, she's better at Faith now than she was, you know, a couple seasons ago. And it's like, I'm really enjoying her presence there. And you're totally right that, like, the dynamic between her and Buffy is also, like, one of the only things that, like, consistently I get a lot of pleasure out of. And even in this episode, they kind of talk out, like, Faith, you know, tells Buffy, like, it is you, like, you're special because yeah. of what you have. Like, I'm jealous of what you had, and that's why we're not friends. And Buffy was like, well, no, it's because you, like, murdered all these people. <laughs> yeah. But but also, like, maybe, you know, it's like... Because remember when Faith first showed up, like, Buffy was jealous of her because she seemed to be getting along with her friends. Right. And so they've always had that weird dynamic. But I like that scene a lot where, you know, they're kind of acknowledging their dynamic and not pretending that... It's anything else. Mm -hmm. And also contemplating, you know, you can kind of see the seeds of where we're going in the next episode, like contemplating this idea of like, how do you truly share this burden? Right. Um, Which right now they're the only two that understand and have to bear. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, I was thinking about this season as a whole. Like the thing I think I didn't like because it felt so un unbuffy like like even in the season with Glory, we never, or even last season, we never really had this like, sense of dread and like hopelessness that's hanging over everything like they never once encountered you know the bringers or this this idea of the first or what they were up against with any kind of like confidence of oh well we'll just take care of it or you know there's you don't have the humor I think the sense of humor was lacking and everything was just so doom and gloom and it really takes away from what I think made this show special, which is, like, this is all happening and so is life. But, like, life hasn't been happening. Right. Like, the school has totally shut down. Nobody's going to work. Nobody's leaving the house. The, the town has completely been abandoned. It's 
it's a really weird tonal shift. And I think for me, that doesn't work. And then adding some of the stuff to fix some of the major problems, like we talked about Caleb coming mm-hmm. in and all of that, but then Caleb is apparently just the beginning of this, like, magical resolution right. of here's your sword in the stone, go be King Arthur. Like, right. I, something really fell apart along the way. And, yeah, you know, I kind of alluded to it when I was talking earlier, but, like, it's really frustrating that this is the second to last episode of Buffy. Like, we literally have one more episode and this is what we're with. Like, yeah. And also, it's also just, and it also is leaning into all their worst impulses too, right? Where it's like, oh, the cliffhanger at the end of this episode is that Spike saw Buffy and Angel kiss. And I was like, I, what? <laughs> you know, like, I, I have no idea why Buffy and Angel kissed, first of all. I have a lot of I have a lot of complaints about the Angel scene, which I don't think most viewers share, but just regardless oh, of I that, do. the like this this idea that like Buffy and Spike have come so far. We saw his speech to her in the last episode and their conversation in this episode, which are like this episode is like a little bit less impactful to me as like a person, but I I don't know. Like remember last week when we were like, man, Spike sure did like say the right things and it seemed to really be coming from the right place and to like at all pretend that Spike is now just gonna be part of a petty love triangle again was just like again in the second to last episode of this whole entire series like why are we going back to that well like it just seems so stupid I it's like why I don't know so yes in in terms of a penultimate to the whole series this is would have been a disappointing second to last episode of any season. But to the whole series, it's just like, what are we doing? There's little moments that I liked, but I'm, I'm shaking my head. So I want to talk about this angel thing, and I'm glad you brought it up Ugh. because I don't, well, maybe a lot of people like it. I think you and I are in agreement. I, you know, I got like a little thrill when he like showed up, but then it was like he showed up and was just like, <laughs> narrating this fight and like being like oh you're so gonna lose oh my oh, god i missed I watching it. this and i was like i'm sorry who is this angel that you've like airdropped in here that would never say any of these things no. and also like i have a bigger problem i think with the concept that angel has to show yes, up at yes, all yes uh, well, um, because he's been off mm. in his own thing and so like if it's the last episode of buffy they've already kind of gone their separate ways. I don't really agree that Angel even needs to be here. And also, when you are watching Angel simultaneously, this appearance makes no it sense. It sure doesn't. And i that's another note that I have maybe that, yeah. I don't know if that's more of a Buffy note or an Angel note, but like, what the heck are the timelines right now? Angel, the shows, this whole season has seemed to take place over the span of just a few weeks. I guess that's true for Buffy too, but yeah, it is really confusing. Like, how did he get there? How did this happen? I think it doesn't bother me in fact i i do sort of like that like the networks allowed david boreanaz to make an appearance in the last episode um the last two episodes i guess because he's still there um i don't know it doesn't bother me entirely that he comes back but i definitely could have done without it it really bothers me that he has to step in to like save buffy from caleb and then i agree that this like narration is completely out of sync with who angel the character is even like i know we've seen angel lighten up a little bit on his own show but like he's not at this level and even if he is that was never his dynamic with Buffy. You know what I mean? Like, they were not quip pals. She's done that with almost everybody except Angel. So to, like, think that that's what I want out of Angel's reappearing in the show is, like, so misguided. 
I just, I have read a lot of people, I don't know, I forget which TV critics it is, but I've seen a lot of people talk about how much they love the last Angel interaction, and maybe they mean what they talk about in the next episode, but, like, it is so blatantly out of place in this episode to me. I don't know why anyone would enjoy it. I just, it feels like pandering to bring him back at all. Like, I, you know, I can see the, yes, I do like his appearance in the next episode, I'll grant you that, but I, I don't think that it needed to happen at all and you know when you think about life like you have these important relationships that sometimes don't last but you don't have to go back and revisit them to prove that you've grown or something like it it's not necessary and I think the arc that Buffy's been on where she seems to also like it seems to be weirdly undercutting this idea where Buffy has not outright proclaimed like independence but you know, she hasn't fallen back into old patterns with Spike. They just kind of, like, laid on a bed together and then admitted that it meant something, but she's not saying, okay, we're going to be together or any of this. And so, like, to have her ending in this story have to involve revisiting romantic relationships is honestly kind of a letdown to me because I don't think it needs to happen for Buffy to to grow and to evolve and to have a triumphant ending. She doesn't have to have also resolved anything with Angel, which by all accounts we think she has. So I, you know, we haven't seen any reference to Angel on this show since Buffy came back from the dead and was like, Mm -hmm. I have to go see him. So presumably they've resolved whatever things they have to resolve then. Maybe not. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I just think this was like sucking up airtime when we could have... I don't know, had a better story about mm-hmm. the first or, you know, Willow, yeah. my God, Willow, it's could true, she do true. something or, you know, it's... Uh, well, the other thing kind of just related related to what you're saying, I think the other reason that Angel is so annoying in this, the way that they use him in this episode is it also really undercuts, like, because Buffy's so happy to see him and it seems like this moment of triumph when he steps in to stop Caleb from like killing her. But like we just had a few minutes ago, like Buffy and Spike, Buffy admit to Spike, like how much his just actual emotional support of her was the thing that she needed so that she could go be the person she needed to be to like get back on her feet. And so to then to be like, Oh, but angel and she still seems enamored a little bit of him or maybe not enamored, but like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, oh, what Spike offered her now? Yes. Is this like, they're older, they're more mature. This is a totally different relationship than what she had with Angel, which was like very much more young love, which isn't to say that it's not valid, but it's like, he didn't like, I don't know. I just, I dislike that he kind of gets more applause for the way that he steps in and saves Buffy when Spike was the one who was there actually emotionally supporting her. (laughs) I guess that's like what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so definitely could have done without. Also, again, really dislike that they're even pretending that this is like a huge going to be like a jealousy plot point. It's just like we've done that so many times. Let's stop. <laughs> I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, though, that Spike was there because I kind mm-hmm. of forgot. Like I remembered seeing him with the first and I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, why is the first pretending to be two dead people? But mm. no, <laughs> Spike was witnessing the kiss that, you know, this was like egregious on the level of like, Fred and totally. Angel kissing. Like, why? Why, um, why would... How, I, why, why is this is happening? There, can, I didn't even mention it in the recap. Can you imagine... It's like not Can important. you imagine greeting someone that way? 
like even an ex-boyfriend like you don't just kiss them it's such a weird reaction from her i understand like a hug would be totally fine (laughs) why are you just making out I've never done that to anyone who I wasn't dating. We're so magnetic. We can't not Yeah, well, it's like, oh, oh she God. greeted him like he's been off at war for three years. Like, you guys broke up and you decided not to be in each other's lives. That's not the same reaction. <laughs> okay. Because I, I do have an, a thing I, I wanted to bring up, which is the mm-hmm. potentials. Oh, good. That astro- and their mm-hmm. dynamic with mm-hmm. failure. Um, because, like I mentioned, Buffy comes in and mm-hmm. saves them. Um, from the uber vamps and they're immediately willing to follow her and their 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 rationale is because faith led them into a trap and so they can't trust faith but then they can go back to buffy and everyone's like oh we made a Uh mistake and like they've they've already immediately written her off because she made Mm -hmm. one one seemingly smart decision that turned out Mm -hmm. to not be like they were so willing to follow her before and buffy has to basically tell them like this is not faith's fault and this does not mean this is a failure of Mm -hmm. faith like faith led you into a trap but she didn't know it was a trap and this does not mean that you can't trust her or follow her and like they're they're quite literally spelling out loud what we've been railing about for episodes which is this idea that they only get one chance before they're completely cast aside as useless and we can't follow them and the potentials have a real problem they do and you know that no this is exactly where i was going to go next and i think that was my second biggest problem with this episode in second to introducing huge mythologies for no reason at the very end of the whole show i you know when we were talking about all of our complaints about the last few episodes and the way that they've treated buffy i kept saying like well i understand why they need to go through this, like, to sh- for the potentials to grow. But it turns out they haven't grown at all. So now it really was just for nothing. It was just for the sake of drama. I, you know, if any of them had said, oh, now we see that, like, it is really time for, like, Buffy does say that. She's like, time's up, you guys. Like, I've been saying this anyway, but, like, now you really know that it's it's over now. You have to just stand up and fight. Was, like, finally at least Buffy said it. But, yeah, not a single one of them at all reflected on anything about what they did. Except for the one girl to kind of talk about how maybe this is a punishment. Which, again, is, like, well, points that she's at least thinking about their consequences. But, like, also drawing the wrong conclusion. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm really disappointed that they didn't try to show that they've grown or learned anything from this situation. Because they've clearly not learned a single effing thing. (laughs) No, and also, how stupid are they collectively it's as a group? So they pulled Faith out of the water and not a single person tried to give her CPR. Well, and, the, yeah, you know what else they do in that scene? Oh, we can't just save Faith. We don't even know how many other people there are here. And I was like, you know how many people you went in here with? There weren't more than 10 of you. Like, what? Like, they're like, oh, we don't know who else is here. I'm like, you know exactly who else is there. What? Like, all, all the things that they said. I totally agree. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. What a waste. And Buffy is way more forgiving than I would be. Like, she comes back to the house oh, and she's, man. like, already, like, joking around with Xander uh, and, like, talking with Willow and Giles. And I'm like, I what? totally agree. <laughs> I think those were very forced jokes, many of them. They didn't have quite the normal patter. But mostly the one with Willow. I was like, excuse, like, this is clearly just put in here to show us that they're moving along. You know, like, it didn't feel genuine. I thought that was bad. But, I, but, you know, when you make these choices at the end of your show, you don't have time to air it out. <laughs> so, fine. They had, like, two days. Like, this is just... Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the escalated timeline is not helping, really, because then you can't spend the time on any, like, emotional resolution. Okay, but I do also want to talk about Dawn. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about all the side characters. Go Dawn. (laughs) That's true. It's true. And what also, though, what a bad idea, right? I don't know. I don't know what to make of this whole, like, Xander, just take Dawn with you. Like, that's kind of ludicrous. Buffy's being stupid, right? I think Buffy's being rational in a way where she's, like, obviously going to have trouble in the fight if she's worried about Dawn. Hmm. So I think she's asked, I think the, the the reasoning is to get Dawn away from I the guess. fight and and theoretically make sure Xander it doesn't do something stupid because he just lost his eye. To I was not for, um, I was not forgiving of that aspect of the conversation either. <laughs> no, but there's but he's he he right because she's taking away his right to volunteer um but also I mean like and they will, but like there's another role they could play that doesn't involve them having to be in the actual mm-hmm. battle. But taking her away completely seems really unfair given everything That's, that she's done yeah. this season to contribute and gone through. And Buffy just like removes her. I mean, we see it actually works out. Like right. Don tases where she get Xander that taser? And she's coming back. Did I miss that? <laughs> I guess the glove compartment, maybe? I don't know. Like, okay, just making sure. Yeah, they don't really explain that part. <laughs> sure. But it is a great moment for Dawn to, like, take her own agency back from it's Buffy. It's true. I agree. Um, yeah. I-, I see where Buffy's coming from. I- is it fair? I guess that's, no. again, where it's, like, it's just hard because they're not going to have time to air out that either. You know, like, the resolution of Dawn coming back and Buffy saying, you're right. It's like, there's no time for that now. Or maybe, I mean, maybe they pay lip service to it and I'm just forgetting. But like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did not enjoy Xander whining about needing to be, ta- how he didn't want to be taken out of the fight given his reaction to the first any at all physical damage that he sustained. I wanted to punch. To be, you mean his reaction to being asked to go into the fight? Well, no, no. Well, his reaction to being put out to pasture. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I know. But like coming after yes. his like, his his reaction to Buffy suggesting there is supposed to be another fight. Yeah, he exactly. was like, mutiny. Exactly. Now, and then now he's like, how, how dare yeah, you take me I was me like, out of I can't fight. with you. I can't believe that we came so far with Xander and then at the end they just run him into the ground one more time. I'm like, well, ugh. I don't even blame Xander though, right? Like, they're just making bad choices left and right here. So, um, in terms of one other bright spot in this episode though, I did really like Anya and Andrew getting paired up. I think I, I guess the thing is that I just like Andrew and watching him get paired off one by one with kind of all the other characters has been pretty fun. But I think they're particularly good foils for one another. Yes, I think that's a pairing that has comedic value that didn't really get used it's enough. It's true, yeah. Yeah, they could have been doing this the whole Only time. Only in the last few episodes, really. <laughs> Um, I love when he tells her, you're kind of an amazing woman. And she's like, yeah, he says you're the so. perfect woman. And she says, I've often thought oh, that. The perfect like, woman. Yep. That was great. I love it. <laughs> and I also, I guess I just also, you know, for somebody who hasn't had as many seasons for character development and who has had to, for a lot of good reasons, I think be mostly sidelined in this season. I think Andrew, I was really pleased with where he ended up. I like, I really thought that that was like a good kind of classic Buffy scene where it's mostly funny but then they both get to have their one kind of, you know, more serious moment where Andrew says, like, I think I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to die and I'm OK with that because now I'm, you know, he's just kind of made it where he's fighting for the side of good. And I, I was, like, really happy for him. And I liked Anya's yes. speech about, you know, human resolve and, you know, how 
they seem to do a lot of stupid mm-hmm. things, but but really it's just they don't give up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Anya still, what goes kind of unsaid, I think, is Anya is still thinking of them, of humans as of them. Yeah. Hmm. But really she's kind of adopted her own humanness. Hmm. Humanity, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Huh. And she loves humans. And this is an apocalypse that she's not going to run from. She's really grown a lot, too. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Oh. So when when Xander uh, chloroformed Mm -hmm. Dawn and when they're at the car and they're looking for, like, a crossbow or something. Did she reference that Willow's cat was killed by a crossbow? Yes, she did. She sure did. (laughs) I. Yep. It's pretty. It's like okay, that's one question answered. Where's pretty the cat? dark? Uh, <laughs> dark days over there for Miss Kitty Fantastico. I thought that was a really weird decision, but okay. <laughs> it was like blinking, you miss yeah. it though, because like she was like, oh, not since that time with Miss Kitty Fantastico, yeah. and I was like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what did she yeah. just say? No, very. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Yeah. <laughs> uh. To be honest, I have not thought about Willow's cat in, like, a very yeah, long time. Yeah, I haven't really been wondering. Um, also, semi-related, or just other fun asides, uh, <laughs> when Anya and, Anya and uh, Andrew are, like, the, you know, being the nurses to all the slayer, the potential slayers that get brought back to the house, and all they have is whatever he's stolen from the grocery store, or whatever Giles brought, I guess. Basically, Anya just says, oh yeah, Giles really knows his single malt antiseptics because she just starts drinking the <laughs> like scotch that they're using to sterilize wounds. But I just think that was a great line. I really killed it just now, the way like ruined it the way that I delivered it, but um, I thought that was really funny. Giles really knows his I also love that scene because Anya kept saying like imminent death right. and like mortal wounds <laughs> and the girl was like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Too true. I mean, that's kind of all I have. Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about the the mysterious uh, pagan guardian that has been living under Sunnydale for <sighs> millennia. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't really want to give it the time. Oh, okay. Day. You know what? <laughs> but we probably should. I have, a, I have a more important piece before we get to that. Okay. So I'm certain that I've told this story on the podcast before, and I know that you know, we, we watched Buffy... Uh, I watched Buffy for the first time senior year of college because you had the box set. Uh, tried to finish it before we graduated because it was your box set. And I was like, well, I really would like to finish this show now that I started. Uh, but we were running out of time and had a lot of graduation uh, ceremonies and, and whatnot to do. So I finished season six while I was packing up our dorm or our apartment. And then I was like, there's literally no way I can finish season seven unless I do nothing else for a solid 22 hours. And you very graciously were like, you can just borrow the DVDs and send them back. So um, what I'm trying to get at, first of all, is just recall that beautiful memory and thank you for being so generous. But I know I watched this like right after we graduated college and I had uh, in college taken a few linguistics classes and I must have been so excited when Willow is like trying to figure out what the ox, what the ax means. And she's like, it's M question mark. And I was like, that's not a question mark. That's a glottal stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I bet 22 year old Jenny was so excited to know what that was. I'm still excited that I know what that is, but like, I must have lost my mind. I don't have a particular, I never, I remember watching the very, the series finale because I watched it with Jordan. He came over to my parents' house. So watch it with me. But, um, I don't remember watching this one, but I must have been so over the moon to know about that. Anyway, 
So that was one bright spot for me watching this episode. There, where, what, what that information led to kind of didn't make any sense why it needed to be a glottal stuff to make any sense to me either. But nevertheless, I did used to know a lot of the International Phonetic Alphabet, and I now pretty much only know that one. I did think of you when I was watching that and Giles was like, oh, it's a glottal stop. And I was like, I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> but, like, but like, but, you know, again, the part that I get really frustrated is, is like, it leads to a, a literal Egyptian tomb in Sunnydale that they've what? never seen before. <laughs> it's so weird. It, it does. And it's like, it's not even like an approximation. It's like, yeah. there are like hieroglyphics and paintings on yeah. the walls and stuff. It, it's, and the woman is not Egyptian. I don't. Right. And I think the other, you know, the other thing I noticed, especially in that scene, is it's like now they've had to build so many sets for these elaborate stories they're crafting. The sets are not that good, you know, and it's like I cut them a lot of slack in general because like that's just kind of the look of the show and what they generally had as like resources to build things. So fine. But like stop writing new elaborate set pieces that you need when it also is serving the story pretty badly. So, yeah, I didn't like that. How she? I also like this late breaking idea that there's a guardian, a w- group of women guardians who are oh, watching yeah. the watchers. Is frankly doesn't track uh-huh. because the watchers have done some really dark mm-hmm. stuff to their slayers, and they've just been waiting. The guardians were unbothered by I that. Guess so. I guess. Yeah, yeah, doesn't make a lick of sense. No. They weren't guarding them very well because they let them get blown up by Caleb. Yeah. And again, you know, where this season started with this whole back to ba- basics notion and then all this stuff started happening. This is not Exactly. Basic. All this stuff started happening with the Hellmouth and that made a lot of sense to me as a like conclusion, right? Like, ah, yes. Now to finally fight off with the Hellmouth once again, which has been the center of everything for seven years. Instead, no, it's this other you know, order that order that oversaw the order that we never talked about. Like, it's just so many layers. Can you imagine if this season had been like Buffy's fighting the first, who is this incorporeal entity that she can't really figure out how to fight. But the ultimate goal of this, this first evil is to really open the Hellmouth for maximum yeah. damage. And Buffy's got to finally figure out once and for all a way to close, close mm-hmm. the Hellmouth. That would be great, and that would be full circle, and that would be back to basics, and that would be very fitting, and we wouldn't have to deal with any of this. Even the Uber vamps coming out is like, I'm fine with that, because I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of cool that there's this like primitive vampire living under the Mm -hmm. hellmouth that the slayers have to fight, and you create an army of slayers to do it. Yeah. That's great. All the rest of this like sword in the stone stone stuff, I'm just like, no. This, why? Like... Buffy couldn't just, like, have Willow magically imbue any weapon that she wants? Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of full circle, I did also just want to point it out that Faith drowns, almost nearly drowns in this episode. I felt like that was notable. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. does it really have greater sim- sim- symbolism than that is what happened to Buffy in season one? Not really, but I still kind of liked it. A little throwaway. But Faith doesn't have a Xander to save her. And I also like the callback in this episode oh, where yeah. Xander's like, well, if you die, I'll just bring you back to life. That's what mm-hmm. I do. Because he's done it twice. And um, in the same episode where Faith kind of suffers a similar fate as Buffy in Prophecy Girl, I I really, yeah, I did notice that. I was like, oh, but no one bothered to resuscitate right. her. <laughs> but yeah, she made it out anyway, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch next week. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm not not anticipating it. I do still know that I like the I finale. I think I do, too. 
I just in fact yes I know I do I know I like yeah the ultimate resolution I just think they could have set it up so much better and not wasted so many episodes this season on nonsense Ugh, absolutely <sighs> all right should we move well, on let's talk about peace, peace out out uh I had to take these notes by hand because I was doing laundry downstairs actually I yeah well and I didn't bring my laptop I brought my iPad and then I couldn't take notes on it uh okay so uh (laughs) connor has you know the angel investigations team sans angel who's off in another dimension and he brings them in to jasmine who it doesn't kill them doesn't want them harmed which is a little bit suspicious because why not um but she doesn't want them harmed because she it you know i think becomes clear doesn't exactly know where angel is and she did recognize the zealot monster that was in the sewers with them and kind of maybe now have a sense of what Angel might be doing. Um, so instead she just imprisons them and they get to have a lot of conversations with Connor and Connor does a lot of soul searching in this episode. Actually a pretty big episode for Connor on the whole. Um, so Connor, it reveals that he has in fact been able to see Jasmine this entire time. He has known that she is a liar this whole time. He just thought like this was better than the lies he was previously fed, which is so, so heartbreaking. Sorry, I don't mean to editorialize. Um, But yeah, so Connor is like kind of just in and out of it this whole episode. He never really believed Jasmine, but he did decide that like allying himself with her was a better option for him than anything else. But now that the... um, Angel's investigation crew kind of suggests like, well, maybe she's hurting Cordelia. Maybe she's already hurt Cordelia. You know that she's eating people. He kind of start. It's they, they chip away at it a little bit, his relationship with her and his kind of decision. So um, meanwhile, Angel is off in this other dimension. Yes, has to climb a mountain, has to talk to a guy, has to do a thing. And lo and behold, he's able to behead a demon who knows um, Jasmine's name and bring it back through the dimension, cut his mouth open dramatically so that he can say her name in front of everybody. Um, Jasmine has gone ahead with her plans to have a press conference to get her message out to the whole country, if not the whole world. Um, but before she's really able to succeed in doing that, this happens, her name is revealed and the spell is broken. So everybody sees her for the monster that she is. And she immediately loses all of her followers. Um, so yeah, that ugh, Connor uh, finds Cordelia where they are keeping her body, and again does a lot of soul searching. Um, Angel gets in a fist fight with Jasmine, and when Connor shows up, it's not really clear if he's going to defend her or not, and he does not. He instead punches her through the face and then walks away and leaves, you know, maybe forever. And Angel goes back to the hotel, tells everybody what he's done. That that and then, uh, oh my God! And then Lila yeah. showed up. <laughs> See the way you forgot about Spike. I was like, oh yeah. Also, Lila. What? I yeah. And then Lila shows up, says something quippy. I don't know what that's about. I think I do, okay. but we'll talk about yeah. it next week. Um, but yeah, I, that was like one surprise appearance where I was like, yay, (laughs) it's like, she's back. I guess my first instinct Um, was that she's the first, but I have no idea who, what, what's happening. No, I think it's related to like where we go in season five. Yeah. Okay. That could make sense. Yeah. 
The standout to me I, for this episode, I don't know if standout is really the right word, but Connor's storyline is doing something for me. And I do feel like maybe this isn't, I mean, it's certainly not my favorite like story, you know, in general, but for all of the kind of observations that you and I have made about Connor over the last couple episodes and how manipulated he was and how sad it is and all this stuff, like, I guess they've at least followed that to a logical conclusion, I think. Like, this revelation about how he's known about Jasmine the whole time, it really broke my heart. I was like, Connor is, like, one of the most tragic figures, like, I've ever seen. You know, he really had no choice almost his entire life just to get flung into the situation where he was like, this actual hell-on-earth demon monster is better than everything else I've seen so far. So, like, may as well. You know, like, I don't know. That was just really sad. But do you have, I still have a question about to what degree Connor wasn't under the spell. Because it seems like he knew what she looked like the whole time. But then his shift in attitude towards Angel, to me, would imply that he was under the rest of the spell. I took it to mean he never was. But I do see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, otherwise, that moment where they first meet Jasmine doesn't make a lot of sense to me. With Connor just, like, looking like he's in awe and, you know. In like immediately being like dad and all this stuff like I hmm. I could buy that maybe visually he wasn't under the spell but I just I it doesn't yeah that's pretty sloppy. I agree with you it's a really nice yeah. story for Connor and it's really powerful and we talked a little bit about this like of the reasons Connor would have to play along even if he knew the truth mm-hmm. but I just don't think that's where this was going from the beginning well I so agree with that if, it just feels like a like a resolution that doesn't match the start, and that's fine. I just, I think it's. I wish it, they had yeah. thought about it earlier because it is so powerful. Like this concept of like Connor just wanting a family and a way to belong, and it might even be true what Jasmine tells Angel of like Connor will never love you, and yeah. and maybe that's true. Maybe Connor knows this, and like that's why Jasmine was so important for him because she could create a family that he couldn't have yeah on his own like he could never have one with angel their their relationship was too damaged but he could have one with cordelia and these followers of their child or whatever yeah i mean it's certainly not perfect and to that point i always think that the impression that i always get out of this show is when stuff like that and you look back on it and it doesn't quite click I think they're more often than not trying to actively deceive viewers than, like, I don't know. You know, like, they are more prone to this, like, totally take something and spin it 180 without any indication whatsoever. So it's like, it kind of makes sense to me that they would have been like, no, 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 this was always the plan. But then going back to that, they're like, yeah, we just kind of exaggerated so that people would be confused. Or, or, you know, would really believe that Connor was totally under her thrall the whole time. Like, I could totally see that also being the case. Either way, it's sloppy is is ultimately the point. But it it just bothers me how much also they, they like to pull fast ones on us, but without any indication that that's been going on. And we've talked about it where sometimes the twist really works. And, you know, sometimes it's really obvious what they're doing. Like the Cordelia twist on first glance mm. or like first watch comes out of nowhere. But it also doesn't make any sense but it's but it's well done in a way where you're like oh but like they've also done twists where it's clear what's happening and this is one where 
I don't think it's clear what's happening while it's happening, but the resolution's okay. Yeah. It's just that it's the foundation for the twist isn't really there because like I, like I'm in total agreement with you that I I love this idea for Connor, but I also just like I'm thinking about the last few episodes and I'm like, but I mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah. Is that really what was happening? Right. But it works really well for this where Connor and I mean Aside from the annoyance of like Cordelia's only appearance in this episode is to have Connor monologue around yes. her, but okay. Um, that scene in the church is really gut wrenching yeah. in a way, and especially when we come to the end where Connor kills Jasmine yeah. and and is he dead inside? He about seems it. to be, yeah, and he's. It's like he's made this decision of like, okay, I can't have this family that I want because look what's happened. Yeah, um, and so the only thing to do is to kill her, but he's not like immediately like okay, I'll come back with you. It's just like, okay, there, I killed her, like, goodbye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think that part was well executed, at least, but I know his monologuing around Cordelia's body was, like, infuriating on the one level, and on the other level, very two cathedrals of them. <laughs> Had that yes. already happened? Probably. I think so. Yeah, West Wing is older. Yeah. But I liked, I don't know, I guess, I guess I did, I, I thought he, Vincent Carthizer did as well as he could, you know, that wasn't the best writing I've ever seen on these shows, but I thought it was pretty good, you know, and yeah, you well, have him have a whole questioning I, his faith in anything, you know, not God specifically, but like in anything in a church was still pretty good. And I'm glad you said like he did well, because I thought this was a good episode for mm-hmm. him overall, where yes. even before we get to this point, he's trying to guard Fred and Wesley and Gunn and everyone and he's also trying to stay loyal to Jasmine and help her you know have her big debut but there's also these little questions that are coming up that he he isn't okay with and ultimately you know it comes down to well what what did happen to Cordelia where is she and why and you know and and as as Fred and gang continue to tell him things that are actually true and Jasmine continues to lie to him like the seeds of doubt are there and it's like I think ultimately the the reason he kills her and decides you know that not to cling on to this like family or whatever that she's created is because one it, it evaporates essentially but also she has betrayed him in a way mm-hmm. like she's also not being truthful to him right. like she's lying to him about Cordelia and, yeah. and the people and all of this and while he might be okay with her eating people, mm-hmm. I think he's not okay with this deception and this this lack of trust. Because, like, that's what he doesn't yeah. have with Angel or any of these other people, right? And point. so, like, Jasmine's just like the rest. She is just like them. Yeah. Which is very teenagery kind of mentality, but also feels fitting. But he is a teenager. Exactly. And, like, that feels, <laughs> you're just like the rest of them, feels a little on the nose, but mostly accurate. But I thought this was a good episode for him as he's like slowly coming to those realizations. Yeah, I thought so too. You know? And he was just so dejected and sad, you know, or not even sad. Like I really, Angel kind of describes at the end is it was like there was nothing there. And I was like, I mean, he he played that really well, I think. That, you know, he just like punches her clean through the face and is just like, whatever. Because like, what else does he have to cling on to? Not much. No. At Cordelia's best, body. Cordelia, but even that was like, a weird manipulated setup you know like even the rosiest lens on that is like not a great not a great situation so yeah he doesn't have much Mm-mm. what do you think the people around the world 
are thinking as they're like waiting for this imminent broadcast from LA about Jasmine <laughs> I have no idea. because they don't know who Jasmine is yeah. they're like what are these people talking about and then for like two seconds it's just this woman and then and then it turns into this nightmare but like even before that happens like I really wonder if like if you're sitting at home in like Canada mm-hmm. and there you're about to get some LA broadcast mm-hmm. like you're going live or you're in like India or like who knows where and everyone's just like Jasmine Jasmine you're like what the fuck is that yeah like <laughs> I imagine not everybody is, like, tuning in. It's more that, like, as with everything, like, you'll get 20 people, then you'll get 100 people, then you'll get 1,000 people, and it will just kind of quickly spiral. Because all you need is for, like, one person at the network to put you on. And then once you've got to that part, then everyone else will see it and be, like, touched in the same way. But also it seemed like her power has transformed where they don't even have to see her. Hmm. Because remember when they were underground, like the little boy turned all those people against them just by speaking in Jasmine's voice. Yeah, I do think it was always or her voice, but you could be right. Um, it's very unclear. Yeah. But that's okay. It's over now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, and also it did really seem like she really is a power, right? I don't think she was yes, lying about that. Uh, that- that actually was a revelation that we got that she seems to be one of the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Power that was. Powers that were. Power that, I don't know. Power, <laughs> she's a power that that was, yeah. Who got bored with her insect world. Mm-hmm. Those poor guys. Yeah. Um, but speaking of all of that, I just, I know it's not the most important thing, but like I just really find myself wondering, like, did Angel just casually swing by Sunnydale after all of this happened or like somewhere in between? Or, I have like, that question too. Or, or did Angel end before the Buffy season ended? Like I meant to look up the air dates because this just like, it's one thing to have, okay, we got this character to come over. Thank you, network cooperation. But like the the timelines and the storylines on the separate shows, like make this seem ludicrous yeah that that i think happen. they're gonna mention it in a, in next week's but i don't understand what day or time it is anywhere <laughs> like how much time has passed on either of these shows is really up in the air for me angel you know is in this other spider demon world and he has to go up and see the like high priest and then he's not the real high priest is really this other guy or you know like the high priest doesn't know the name it's the name knower who knows the name or whatever like <sighs> That was also just very filler for me. I was like, I've seen Angel do this exact thing so many times. And like Angel, the show, again, really has this obsession with like wise and or quippy sages. And I just, it never is good. I think it's always a bad impulse that they have to just like have somebody who speaks some sort of wisdom or what is supposed to be wisdom. And then like, and what? Like, who is this person? I don't care. Like, I get it. I know that he had to go to this other world. It just was ultimately not very meaningful to me like I feel like that could have been a couple more episodes long of like what was what was she like in this other world or I don't know it just felt very throwaway to me I have seen Angel go to the powers of be, go to the oracles go to the this go to the that a hundred times and fight off a bad guy that he shouldn't be able to beat just to get a piece of information <laughs> that is a little bit strange like all these like obstacles to to getting information it's always violence yeah and it's always the same. It does get a little really boring. What I'm, yeah, it's always the same for Angel. 
You're right. Like, I mean, the guy that he had to defeat in this episode may as well have been Skip. Yeah, exactly. Like, just the same thing. Yeah. Maybe this guy will come back next season and tell us none of this happened, so. <laughs> well, I think that's what Lila's about to do. So. <laughs> Great. Uh, look forward to it. Leslie seemed pretty chill. His ex-dead girlfriend is sitting there. <laughs> How is Connor strong enough to punch through Jasmine, but Angel was not? I think because she wasn't prepared. I mean, he punched through her face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, she was a little bit weakened, but like, no, she was ki- kind of kicking Angel's ass. And then, I mean, I guess Connor is just like because he's her dad. Special? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of people that have to be like special in these. I guess that's always true, but yeah, I, I did. Um, this is so unrelated. I did really like her pants. Jasmine's. Yeah, oh, I didn't even notice them. They were, like, kind of, like, a pants, but they had, like, a skirt kind of wrapped around mm-hmm. them. But it wasn't, like, a skirt situation. Mm-hmm. It was, like, from the side, kind of. Okay. So they were just, I don't know. It's like, oh, those are interesting. They were very 90s. Okay. But, or, like, not 90s, I guess, but, like, early 2000s. But, um, as our, is her entire look. Yeah. But um, I think they gave her that so that she could have, like, movement while she was, like, throwing buses around <laughs> <and> stuff. <laughs> um. Actually, speaking of, I meant to bring this up in the Buffy recap or Buffy discussion, but Buffy has some pretty ludicrous hair extensions going on in her ponytail, and it was driving me nuts the whole episode. I was like, stop. Why is your ponytail so fluffy? Like, why did they do this? Why is it so weirdly long? Yeah, like, why is it extra long and voluminous? And I can see where you've teased it and, like, added in more hair. I think that was a weird choice for the for her final look, her penal, almost final look. But whatever. It's also, like, crazy to me because I was, like, thinking about this because it was a little bit distracting. And I was like, so are we supposed to think that Buffy, like, took the time Mm -hmm. to craft this, like, elaborate ponytail while the world is ending? Or is it, like, a defiance of, like, well, just because the world's ending doesn't mean I can't take pride in the way I look. I know, I know. I I was like, how do I feel about this? I know, and it's ultimately (laughs) beside the point because that just has never been a realistic aesthetic for the show in general. You know, like, her outfits have never been realistic, so fine. You know, I'm not going to let that, like, keep me up at night, but I did think about it, too. Like, it would be nice if they made it more realistic. You know, it's funny because I feel like not a lot happened in this episode. Like, they just finally were like, we're ending the Jasmine story, but there's just not, like, not too much that went into it because Angel spent all that time fighting those, like crickets yeah. or whatever and and then again it yeah. just really sidelines you know lauren fred wesley and um gun it's like they're in a cage the whole time i think they get to yeah. like talk to connor and that was a that was interesting but like it like wasn't the, the note connor... though that gun did break them out yes <laughs> i guess i just think it's not like we're not back to an ensemble which we've almost never done anyway it's not quite angels episode it is you know, when we're talking about it, I'm like, well, Connor is obviously the standout of this episode, but it wasn't like the way Storyteller is the Andrew episode. Like, it's not the Connor episode. And I wonder if they would have been better served to like lean harder into like tell this whole story from Connor's perspective for one whole episode or something. Maybe would have been more interesting. You might be right, I think. Because we get his opinion for like five minutes, but I'm like, oh, maybe more of that. But whatever. I think they've really driven Connor's character arc 
into the ground and I think that's why we get what we get mm-hmm. in the next episode but it's... I have no idea what's gonna happen I don't remember at all <laughs> <laughs> it's it's frustrating to watch it happen though like mm. it, it's interesting like I totally agree with you like his his arc here is like a very interesting angle on the whole Jasmine situation mm-hmm. but it's also frustrating that like this is what's happened mm-hmm. okay well I gotta see it to know yeah all right, so we will, because next time we have the the very final Buffy episode mm-hmm. chosen. Yep. And we have the Angel episode that I don't know the name of. Called Home. <laughs> Home, okay. Hmm. One day I'm going to have, or like next time, like next season, I'm going to have to look up the Angel episode names. Right, because you'll never know them. Like, there won't be Buffy ones. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Cannot believe that. We're, yeah. Um... We should get champagne for the next episode or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'll toast you from afar. Yeah. Maybe that means we shouldn't record it at 9.30 a.m. my time. uh... (laughs) We'll just put a little bit of orange juice in there and then it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it acceptable. (laughs) That makes it appropriate. You're right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, um, do you have any pop culture recommendations for us? I mean... It's not really a recommendation, but you know what I finally watched yesterday? I mean, it's not not a recommendation. I finally watched The Talented Mr. Ripley yesterday. I have never seen it. I have, I remember when I've it came out. I've never seen it. Well, I remember when it came out, and I always was, like, kind of curious about it. I mean, it was a good movie, but it was, uh, it, it's, like, sitting with me still. It's really dark. I mean, it is, like, a dark psychological thriller, and I knew that. It's not like I was surprised, but it, yeah, it was, it's still like, there were some moments that like kind of shocked me and, you know, it's like very devious. Also, it just is like Jude Law is great in it. Matt Damon is, maybe is the best thing I've ever seen him do. Not, I mean, I haven't watched like a lot of Matt Damon movies, but like he's really good in it. And uh, it has Stephen Moffat in it. Who I, first of all, also are those, it was like the three most handsome men in their prime. Like it was a very handsome men movie, but I don't know. Everybody was just really good in it. To me, I, I've never seen it, but it, it always feels like this quintessential movie of its time because yeah. it's like Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Damon, Jude Law. Yeah. And like in these like golden years and you're just like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and think about where we've gone since then. (laughs) So you know what I actually think I'm going to do is, okay, so you know that I'm on like a weird, like, I mean, I'm having a weird moment with podcasts where I'm just kind of like burnt out on everything, but it's also like the time that I have to listen to podcasts also kind of limits what kinds of things I can listen to. Um, But I have uh, listened to this podcast called The Rewatchables, which is like a movie podcast that's part of the Ringer Network. I don't really know very much about them, but um, Alice's brother actually introduced me to it. And I got, I get annoyed with it sometimes. It's not always the same hosts. And when it's all the dudes, I find I don't like it as much as when it's like a, a good mix and match. Um, but just like in Desperation yesterday, I was listening to some and I listened to the one where they recap or they talk about the holiday and they were talking about how handsome Jude Law is for a really long time. I've just watched the holiday. So I was like, OK, well, I can't do that, but maybe I'll watch Mr. Ripley, <laughs> talented Mr. Ripley. So um, I have no regrets, but they have like a spinoff to that. So Rewatchables is just they watch, you know, watch movies and talk about them. Um, but I know that they started a side project where they're watching all the uh, only movies that came out in 1999 because it's like a real slew of like great important 
things or maybe just things that they think are great and important. But I think I have a feeling I will share those opinions. Um, but Mr. Talented Mr. Ripley came out in 1999 and I didn't realize that until I looked it up and I was like, oh, maybe they're onto something with this. So I, I think I'm going to look that up soon. But I did also listen yesterday to an episode of that show, The Rewatchables, where they had Aaron Sorkin on and they talked about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I think is one of my all time, not I think, is one of my all time favorite movies and is, I think, genuinely one of the best made movies ever. And like, it was, that one I did really like. It was fun to hear Aaron Sorkin, like king of script writing, talk about how good this script was. <laughs> okay, so that one is a recommendation, I guess. Cool. That's like, um, what year was that movie made? 69, I think. Which Cassidy, okay. you mean? I meant Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, no. Talented Mr. Ripley is 1999. Okay. So you've got a 20-year and a 50-year recommendation. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, Miss, Talented Mr. Ripley, I mean, that's like a caveat recommendation. It was a really dark, hard... It, parts of it were, you know, like, it's not like a fun movie that, like, anybody would enjoy. I don't know that if, if, that, if dark psychological thriller isn't your thing, then, like, definitely don't watch it. It was pretty dark. <laughs> Even shocked me a little bit. So I'm always hesitant to be like the greatest horror movie, you know, because it's like not everybody can do that. So anyway, I'm certainly probably in the camp that might not want to watch that. But I mean, I have always heard it's good and I've just never seen it. Yeah, Hmm. I think I know the ending, though. It really surprised. You know what? You know what is sitting with me about it? It really feels like a movie that could could Actually, this is true about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid also. It feels like that could come out this year and it would still be like modern and relevant and interesting. Like nothing about it felt dated other than I know none of those actors are that age anymore. But like the rest of it, like it's not, it's set in the past already, which I think always helps movies where it's like, it's not set in 1999. So it's not like, oh, 30 years ago. I don't know. But it was really, I was like, this I think could come out now and it would have the exact same impact. Maybe they should re-release it. Maybe. Like, re-release, I I'm, want to be clear, I'm not talking about a remake. No, 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 yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. What have you got? Um, I don't have anything. Um, I did finally finish The Good Place, though. Oh, um, I haven't watched the season at all, so don't no spoilers. It was very moving, but that's, yeah, I okay. won't say anything more, because um, I know you haven't watched it. Um, but if anyone hasn't finished it, I would definitely say it's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, I mean, I cried. I'm sure I I'll knew cry. I would. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. What team are you on mm. this week? Mm. This is tough. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Team Connor, because he, like, needs it. He needs, like, a vote of confidence. And he did kill Jasmine. Yeah, he took out the bad guy. Yeah. I I guess I agree. Oh, I, there's I, nobody I was else that I like. I, like, <laughs> I don't have another Exactly. Choice. There's not another option. <laughs> Buffy was, like, fine. Spike, okay. Angel, definitely not in either episode. <laughs> yeah. Team Spider Demon. I can't for Angel because I don't know what he was doing in Sunnydale at yeah. all. <laughs> Maybe team the head of the demon that had to get his mouth unsewn. The one who just went, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't he know what okay. he said. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Team Connor. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back for the end. The end. Yeah. Oh, my God. So weird. Huh. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. 
You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.